Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Mr. Smollett did exactly what we said he did. Staging a hate crime hoax. A fake crime that denigrates what a real hate crime is. A tractor trailer carrying migrants wrecked. Pray God for everybody now. 16 and 17 year olds can now get their booster shots. Omicron. There are a lot of unknowns. Inflation. Everything's up a lot. Robert Joseph Gold. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views with Tom and Benny for a Friday. And uh, start things off on a positive note. Congratulations to uh, three Eastern Carolina schools, J.H. Rose, Wallace, Rose Hill, and Tarboro. They are going to be in state championship games in their particular divisions. The Rose... Um, game the J.H. Rose game they play Dudley tonight at seven o'clock you can hear that on 94.3 our sister station and uh, good luck to the uh, J.H. Rose team good luck to all three that's tonight that's, for Rose. Uh, the Rose the great Rose game is tonight Tarboro will play in the 1A game against Mitchell on Saturday at noon up in Keenan Stadium mm-hmm. in Chapel Hill Wallace Rose Hill uh, will play in Raleigh for the 2A title against Shelby. So, state championship uh, football. I tell East you, Carolina. Rose, uh, this is probably six or seven, be going for six or seven state championships for them. Well, in since you brought years. that up, let's see. Um, Rose won four straight Class 4A state titles from 2003 to 2006. So, uh, yeah, w- this – now, that, that's how many they won. I don't know how many they've been in recently, but this would be uh, number five. And Tarbur, I mean, they're like the New England Patriots of high school football. Of 1A. I mean, they, they are just... <laughs> they're always good. Yeah, they're always good. So as you heard in the introduction, uh, Joe Biden, you... Uh, oh, uh, somebody just asked, why aren't we on TV, Derek? Um, they probably didn't. Right, we've got a uh, guest Calls. host producer because... <laughs> Oh, all right. Probably because I've got a face for radio. There you go. Just got a, a text message. Clark, if you're out there, turn around and come back and get us on Cable 7. Uh, so Joe Biden spoke at the Bob Dole funeral at the Capitol Rotunda, mm. and uh, he did it again. This is cut to Derek. This is Joe Biden, and uh, he's reading off the script. I think he had a teleprompter there as well. Clark heard my cry for help, and here he is back in the studio. Um, so Joe's reading off his paper as well as the teleprompter, and here's how it went down as he came to the conclusion of his tribute to Bob Dole. Freedom. Our nation has certainly faced periods of division. But at the end of the day, we've always found ways to come together. We can find that unity again. Then the message said, end of message. <laughs> this is the second time he's done that. He did it back in November. Second. <laughs> well, I mean, in the last two months, it's the second time he's ended the speech, looking at the teleprompter, looking at his notes, and when they write an end of message, that's, that means you stop, Joe. Yeah, it's the second time. You in, don't read it. Second time in the past 60 days. But uh, uh, Interestingly... <laughs> Coincidentally, perhaps, maybe they planned it this way. First Lady Jill Biden was being interviewed earlier this week by CBS Sunday Morning. Uh, Rita Braver, 
sat down with Jill Biden, and the first one of the first things she asked was, uh, she brought up the concerns that the public has about Joe Biden's mental fitness. <laughs> Dr. Jill Biden, who's not a medical doctor, by the way, called those uh, accusations ridiculous. You know, it was my my partner Benny uh, texted me this story. Oh boy, about five thirty this morning. <laughs> I'm a morning person. Well, I, 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 well, I was up when it came in, but so I'm, I'm looking at it and I go look at the video and, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this or not, but I go out to my wife and I said, well, Joe Biden did it again. She said, what? I said, so he's talking at the Bob Dole funeral. And as he's coming to the end of his speech and she says, he farted. <laughs> She's going to be mad at me if I say that. But Now this, this is when we need that Britney Spears song or something. Oops, is, I did it again. Yeah. <laughs> my wife got me so tickled I couldn't tell her the rest of the story because I was laughing so hard about her response. I mean, yeah, this is this is our president, folks. Oh, my. Well, well Jill Biden was in an interview, was it yesterday or day before? And she made a statement that the the job of first lady is a lot harder than she expected. And I'm thinking to myself, of course. I mean, you're taking care of a yeah. of somebody yeah. that can't take care of yeah. himself, much less run the country. Exactly. So you got all your duties, and you got to make. And you know, her probably her 99 percent of what they tell her to do is make sure Joe doesn't do anything that's going to really I'm just totally gonna, embarrass. Yeah, she's probably on some kind of medication for stomach acids every time he gets in front of a microphone. <laughs> she's just churning like, what is that idiot going to say next? So right as we uh, went on the air on Wednesday, we broke you the story because it had just happened about the North Carolina Supreme Court jumping into the state's legal battle over these new election maps. And uh, interestingly, Jim Perry uh, on social media wrote, and uh, boy, he, he hit he hit it out of the park, as he always does. This is the most lawless and unprecedented decision imaginable. They're just making up law as they go. When the judicial branch attempts to ignore separation of powers, it's an attack on the people of North Carolina. And that's exactly what's going on. The United States, he goes on to say, the United States Constitution clearly explains that the legislative branch draws maps. The legislative branch also determines the time, place, and manner of elections. The, thank you, Clark. The legislative branch creates election law. He goes on to say, the radical moves of the Democrat majority state Supreme Court leaves us few options I believe our response should be bold and must match the audacity of their actions. So the Supreme Court, four Democrats, three Republicans, they got up there and the, and listen, I've, I've got it from good authority as well that yes, now they did not release how each individual voted, but I promise you, I, 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 I give you a hundred thousand dollar bet to a dollar. It was the four Democrats that said, you know what? We don't care what election law says. We we are going to have judicial activism here, and we're going to usurp the North Carolina legislature that is charged with creating these maps. And listen, there was no trial, no record reviewed, no signatures, no hearing, no legal findings. It was a Democrat high court majority that said, screw them. Mm-hmm. 
And and these are the same people. These are the same people that have that audacity to come out and look at Republicans drawing such maps as is is their and again the Democrats did it for decades to their advantage, but they have the audacity to talk about disenfranchisement. Yeah. It's uh, it's unbelievable because when you look at um the you know the fact that th- they give no reasons of why no <laughs> i mean you can't it's say, like we have the power to do it and so by gosh we're gonna yeah do it. and you can't say well you know what the republicans drew maps that favor them well they can if they want yeah. to <laughs> they just can't they're bro- the majority bro- in the legislature they just can't break any laws to do, do and that. they haven't and and when you uh, it, we've talked about it before but when you look at these maps compared to the previous maps that were drawn by democrats I guarantee you, if you had an independent person that really doesn't follow this, follow politics, and they've heard the story about the Supreme Court blocking the Republic, these Republican-drawn maps, and you put the two maps out in front of them and say, which one did the Republicans draw? I guarantee you they would think that the Democrat-drawn maps were the ones yes. that— Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, it's— Absolutely. It, it, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Ray Charles could see the difference. <laughs> Listen— well, who was the guy from Duke that they wanted to um, side with the Democrats and accuse the Republicans of drawing up gerrymandered maps? Just this, it was just last month. Oh yeah, and the, the guy and the guy came out and said, "Well, there's no." I, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but he says there's nothing wrong with these maps. Yeah, and he had uh, testified on Democrat lawsuits behalf before. <laughs> so right. I mean, so he was kind of you know he had been hired as an expert witness before for Democrats and. I mean, even he can't support it. No, no. <laughs> so you have that going on. Uh, then the Carolina Journal reports today that Roy Cooper signed three bills into law yesterday, but also vetoed three bills. And one of the bills that he vetoed was a North Carolina Senate approved a measure banning the use of private money in the administration of elections. Now, this all stems from Mark Zuckerberger coming in and giving millions and millions of dollars across the country, get out the vote efforts, funneling the money through boards of elections, but they were they were blatant get out the vote election efforts that were targeted to Democrat areas, <laughs> and and uh, the Cooper, and so basically this this law came out and said you can't do that anymore, you 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 cannot. Private funding cannot come in and uh, and try to influence the administration of election laws and election procedures. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's as nonpartisan an issue as you could possibly have. And Cooper vetoes it. And again, I, the, the, their favorite buzzword over the last five years by the Democrats, whenever Republicans try to come in and—, and, and Give them an infusion of integrity into our election process. They oh disenfranchisement. Oh, this is all about disenfranchisement. Can we have photo ID? Oh, that's disenfranchisement. And here you have a guy that blatantly spent millions of dollars, focused on a partisan get out the vote effort under under the guise that oh this is a patriotic <clears throat> thing. You talk about disenfranchisement. Wow. And and only in Democrat. Strong Democrat yes, strongholds, exactly. But but what the me that, I mean Cooper is so dishonest and disingenuous. It's just his statement on this. 
Elections are fundamental to our democracy, and in 2020, grants from nonpartisan nonprofits were needed for necessities such as masks, single-use pens, and other protective equipment so voters could stay safe during the pandemic. That had nothing to do had with that. Had absolutely nothing to do with this bill, and he knows it. Yeah. He is not that stupid. Yeah. That, that is a, such a dishonest statement. It just amazes me. Uh, interesting news that came out of this. Remember Renee Elmer's? Congresswoman who served, uh, she's out of um, somewhere north of uh, it, Fayetteville, uh, wasn't she? Yeah, down in um, Cumberland County, I think. Who is it? Who's it? She's related to um, someone else. Mr. In Elmer's? <laughs> no, someone else in politics. Is it? Um, that's that's a good I'm trivia s- question. I don't I'm know. sorry, uh, somebody. I'll think of it in a minute. But anyway, um, who ran for governor on the Republicans? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Dan Forrest. Yeah, isn't she related to Dan Forrest somehow? Not that I know of. Oh, okay. Well, but I, hey, mate, I mean, you, you've got a uh, trap for a, a, a mine, so you're probably right. The uh, anyway, she she's basically it was going to sort of be a surprise, but uh, she is now tweeted that she's running for the fourth congressional district. Um, well, she will be when <laughs> when they open it back up and you can uh, file to run. Uh, by the way, they came out, the Supreme Court came out and said, well, if you've already filed to run, um, you don't have to refile. You're automatically filed unless the map changes. But uh, th- this is th- this is so, so infuriating. And this is judicial activism at its absolute worst. And, and by the way, the people behind this, I mean, you need to know when you go to the ballot box uh, next time to cast your uh, ballot, you go to the uh, polling place to uh, cast your ballot, you better remember that this is all about our former attorney general of the United States, Eric Holder, and his group that wants to influence elections for Democrats. They're the ones that are filing these lawsuits. And the Democrat majority, and the more bizarre thing is, beyond this, they want Phil Berger Jr., who's a member of the Supreme Court, to recuse himself from hearing this case because his dad is in the North Carolina Senate. Mm. And, of course, you have, um, what's what's the, the, the gal's name? Um, Anita Earls? Anita Earls, yeah. She's a Democrat on there. One of the plaintiffs in all this, one of the ones that is, is pushing this issue, is the NAACP. And she's out raising support for the NAACP as they're filing. And, and by the way, they started filing their motions against these maps before the maps were even released. Oh, yeah. She's raising money for the people that are the plaintiffs. You talk <laughs> about a conflict of interest and somebody who ought to recuse themselves. Wow. Maybe my mind's not like a steel trap after all. <laughs> Dan Farce's mother is Sue Myrick. Yes. I, yes. Okay. I, I knew I, there was, I don't know. Oh, well. And, Renee Elmer's. And, and they're the one, not third cousins or anything that Re, I know of. Renee Elmer's is one that um, used to be in Congress. And, yes. She's down from yeah. uh, Cumberland County, I believe. Yeah, somewhere. But she'll be running for the fourth. Yeah, she was the one that uh, got districted out, and when they redistricted the last time, and I don't, you know, time flies. I don't know how many years it's been since she's been in Congress, but it's probably been 
six years at least yeah 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 yeah. hey listen we got to take a time out lots more to talk about and uh again we've got another story you talk about uh disenfranchisement the people the poor slobs up in new york city why would you stay in that city i mean it just is going to you know where and uh now their elections are you talk about twisted and bizarre and you think republicans have a shot at it i doubt it stay with us we'll be right back To require their workforces are fully vaccinated. Democrats call it. The right decision was necessary. It's not about freedom. Republicans call it. It's exactly about freedom. This unlawful man. Condescending to Americans. What happens next happens here with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Welcome back in. Did you hear Michael Nesmith of the Monkees passed away today? 78 years old. That's sounding younger all the time. Uh, he had uh, some. Uh, he had some good singles. He he was you know he was a real um, musician too. He was I, I think he was actually uh, uh, for the for the monkeys. Uh, if Mike Buscemi was here, he could tell me exactly. But he was he was probably the best musician of the four. The other were more actors. But uh, I mean, they could do a, a little bit of stuff. But uh, I remember the movie or whatever. Remember the movie, the monkeys, little. Sort of like a little they did docu- a movie, like a docu oh, movie oh, or about something. them. Yeah, oh, oh, oh. I remember as a kid watching that. Why well, I, I remember as a kid, I like watching I, the TV show. I like listening to their some. Yeah, music. they have some good stuff. They have some good stuff. Take a look at your weather forecast uh, tonight. A low around fifty six. Did it even get to fifty six today? <laughs> That's the low how. for tonight. Uh, tomorrow should be a lot nicer than today. The weatherman sort of finked out on us today. Tomorrow's going to be partly sunny, high near seventy five. It is going to be a little windy, but uh, otherwise it's going to be nice. Tomorrow night, a chance of showers and thunderstorms before 10 o'clock. And uh, after that, it'll be mostly cloudy with a low around 48. Sunday, a slight chance of showers before 10 in the morning. Otherwise, sunny with a high near 53. So all in all, not too bad of a weekend. So we're talking about disenfranchisement. Up in New York City, the city council yesterday approved a measure that would allow nearly 800,000 legal non-citizens in the metro area to vote in municipal elections. Mm. 800,000 non-citizens. <clears throat> now, listen, the only reason they're doing it is the same reason the North Carolina Democrat majority of the Supreme Court voted earlier this week to drag the maps in, and we're going to find, you know, based on what, we don't know, but they're going to, because nothing illegal was done. The North Carolina legislature had the right. There was nothing illegal done. They had the right to draw the maps however they wanted. I mean, now there, there is certain ram, you know, certain laws that they got to follow in terms of the, the population size of each of the congressional districts, those sort of things. But listen, there was nothing done illegally on those maps. But yet they come in, the Democrat majority there, and then the Democrat majority on the New York City Council come in and said, yeah, you can vote, come on. I mean, just changing the rules arbitrarily as it fits their narrative and the Democrat and the demographics that they think that are going to vote for their candidates. You know, and kind of flipping back to the Supreme Court, North Carolina Supreme Court decision on the election maps for North Carolina, something I didn't say earlier, you know, this time more than ever, all every single committee hearing on those congressional maps yep. 
were streamed, yep. open to the public, yep. and that had never been done before. And the, and the maps were available for viewing. Uh, yep. I mean, it was as transparent as you could possibly and, imagine. And that's some of the comments. They talk about, you know, the Republicans did it behind closed doors. Just well, total BS. Yeah, complete BS. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's not... It's not tilting it. It's an absolute lie. Mm. Yeah. There's no other way to put it. It's an absolute lie. And so I'll ask the question for some of our local representatives that happen to be Democrats in the General Assembly, Senator Don Davis and uh, Brian Farkas and, let's see, Candy Smith. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think they listened to this. On the, general, <laughs> on, the general, on the House side, the House didn't put up any suggestions for maps. No. Why? You're welcome to call in and tell us why didn't you put up a suggestion. Their answer would probably be, well, because they wouldn't have listened to us anyway. Well, And pro- that, and they're probably saying, you know what, keep your powder dry because we're going to protest no matter what they do. Yeah, the, the truth is the matter. Oh, no, we've already filed a lawsuit, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. it's ridiculous. You know, um, there's a Democrat mayor down in the city of Dallas. His name's Eric Johnson. He, he brought up a great point. This guy's a Democrat. Uh, I, he, I, you know, I guess there are still some conservative Democrats. And by the way, he's he's, he's, he's black. He's black. Man. Yeah, black I man. It, yeah, yeah, I thought he was yeah. black man. And uh, but he says, I, you know, I'm confused and a little disturbed. He tweeted concerning Matthew Dowd, his statement. Now he was in the race to run for Texas lieutenant governor, and he decided earlier this week that he was going to drop out of that race why was he going to drop out because he said well being a white man i think it's uh incumbent upon me to drop out to allow a more diverse um number of candidates to get in there talking about blacks and women and and probably uh, you know diverse if you're if you're a transgender white biological male or if you're a homosexual white male, that, that, that would probably also be within in the uh, parameters of acceptable um, boxes to, to check off. But this Dallas mayor, Eric Johnson, said, wait a minute. So are, are you telling me that um, – and he, he called it the 800-pound gorilla in the room. He said – so you're saying if you as a white man don't drop out, that means the black man or the woman or the black woman couldn't win, which we know is not true. But but what he's saying is, why are you dropping out? Aren't we supposed to vote for the best candidate? Isn't that what we're looking for, the best candidate? But you're saying if you don't drop out, they can't win. So are you saying, in other words— that the Democrat Party is a bunch of racists who, if they have a choice between a white man and an African-American man or woman, that the white guy's going to win. I mean, that's basically what he, And this is, come again, coming from the Democrat black mayor of Dallas, Eric Johnson. I thought that was a great, a great point. He's exactly right. And kudos to him for having the guts to stand yeah. up and say it. Yeah. Because what he what he knows in his mind, what really happens, they told the Democrat Party told um, is it Dowd Dowd yeah. the lieutenant governor candidate. They re- they really told him, say, look, if you run, we can't play the race card. 
Right. Because that's all we got as a party. Yep. Yep. And you've, you're ruining it. Yep. yep. I mean, that's the truth. Yep. By the way, speaking of uh, that Texas uh, gubernatorial and lieutenant governor race, a new Quinnipiac poll. Now, it looks like it'll end up being Greg Abbott running for re-election and um, Robert Francis O'Rourke, Beto O'Rourke, running as a Democrat. So Greg Abbott on the right and Beto on the left. Uh, Quinnipiac's come out with a new poll and not good news for Beto. Beto will be, I guess, a three-time loser, right? He lost in the presidency. He lost uh, against uh, Ted Cruz. Mm -hmm. And uh, if he loses against Greg Abbott, he'll be a three-time loser. Greg Abbott in the polling, 52%. Beto O'Rourke, 37%. Greg Abbott's job approval, 53% say you're doing a good job. 41% not giving him high marks. Biden's job approval, by the way, in Texas, 32% give him approval. 64% say he stinks. O'Rourke's favorability, 36, 36% positive, 47% negative. So I think Beto, you got a lot of work to do between now and next November. You know, you know Robert Francis O'Rourke that likes to like to be called Beto, so he sounds like he's, you know, might. Hispanic a little Hispanic bit. Hispanic, yeah. maybe. Yeah. He was educated at an exclusive school in Virginia, Woodbury Forest School. You might be familiar with it. I know a lot of people that are alums of Woodbury Forest, a number of people in Greenville. And then he went on to Columbia University. So uh, (laughs) I'll pose the question out there. If we've got any Woodbury Forest alums from the years of 1988, 1991, give us a call and let's talk about Beto. (laughs) See if you got any good stories about Robert Francis O'Rourke. I Uh, bet he got a number of wedgies up there. I'm just just guessing. Oh, boy. So uh, how is um, the Biden economy working for you? Consumer prices accelerated in the year through November at their fastest pace in 39 years new government data shows marking the sixth straight month of inflation running above five percent and delivering a fresh sign that inflationary woes continue to bedevil the u.s economy this out of the epic times the bureau of labor statistics reported on june on december the 10th i should say that the uh, consumer price index which reflects inflation from the perspective of consumers it rose 6.8% in the 12 months through November, a level not seen since May of 1982 mm-hmm. when it hit 6.9%. May of 1982, that was uh, inflation and high interest rates. You probably remember that. I, mm. Well, a, I can 18, tell you this. 18, 20% interest rates. <laughs> I, it, uh, our first house we bought was in 1983. Mm. And... Uh, I think it was, I, I, my wife will correct me when I get home, but I think it was like 13 and three quarters percent. Yeah, I, I think Prime around then was, um, it started going down just after Reagan took office, but it went up for initially when Reagan took office and then started going, but I think it hit about 20, 20%. But I also remember you could put your CD in the bank for six months and get eight, nine percent oh. interest oh, heck on your yeah. CD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why the stock market wasn't doing so well back then. By the way, um, remember when Mitch McConnell, when they wanted, wanted to, when they were pushing the infrastructure and they were pushing Build Back Better, 
Mitch said, well, you look, if you want to pass that, okay, but you know what? Don't come to us looking for help when uh, you got budget woes. When you've, uh, when you've got to increase the budget, don't come to us. Uh, the Senate yesterday voted to advance a deal negotiated by Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer that will allow the Democrats to raise the debt ceiling with a simple majority in the Senate. So um, basically, it didn't have to go through, uh, you know, didn't have to get a 66% or 60% majority. House Democrats on Tuesday evening passed a bill that would set up a process for a debt ceiling hike with a simple majority vote in the Senate. Now, um, by the way, the House, uh, this bill passed in the House 222 to 212 with uh, Rhino Kissinger being the only Republican to join the Democrats. The Senate uh, yesterday morning voted 64 to 36 on a motion to invoke cloture on on the motion to concur in the House amendment. Uh, Anyway, uh, 14 Republicans voted on the motion to invoke uh, cloture, which would allow the Democrats to raise the debt ceiling with no upper limit. Uh, So they gave him a blank check. Richard Burr, Tom Tillis voted with the Democrats. A friend of mine emailed me that today and said, you know, I don't even have to look at uh, yeah. who, who the yeah. Republicans are that vote for this anymore. Yeah. I know Richard Burr, the lawnmower man. I call him the lawnmower man because he used to sell lawnmowers before he went to Congress. And um, Tom Tillis. Tom Tillis. Yeah, you knew they were going to vote for it. Tom Tillis. Good, yeah. A good scorching case of Potomac fever as soon Whew. as he got up there. What in the world is in the water up there? Mm. By the way, the... Um, Congressional Budget Office was asked to revise the score for Biden's Build Back Better and then Bankrupt You agenda. <clears throat> not, the, enough, not enough digits in the calculator, right? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, and it, this, this came from Lindsey Graham saying, look, go back and, and recalculate with the idea that all these deals that you're wanting to pass are permanent. Because look, folks, they mm. will be. Yep. If they pass this garbage, it's all, and, and they know it. That's why they didn't. That's why they didn't hesitate to say, "Well, we'll only pass it for eighteen months or whatever the reduced number was, two years or whatever," because they know that once th- these goodies are out there, they're impossible to rein back in. And, and I know the Republicans get accused of this sometimes with tax breaks, but. Because they do put sunset provisions and tax breaks, and and sometimes some things do go away, and sometimes they don't. They end up being permanent. But but when it comes to an entitlement and a giveaway, yeah, yeah. you don't ever take that away yeah. because th- th- you're not going to run against. Oh, you know, I thought it was a good idea that we you know we gave you some money for additional child tax credit or child independent care. Yep. Um, I'm going to take that away. You're not going. You're not going to yeah. win elections. Because at that point, that. they're saying, "Wait a minute, that's my lifestyle. I'd have to quit my job." And, you know, they, oh, they'll play the violins. But anyway, according to the CBO's estimate, the legislation would increase the deficit by three trillion dollars. Now, folks, when they say the deficit, that's not the debt. That's the deficit. That's twelve month budget. Yeah, mm-hmm. by three trillion. So I mean, basically, and the, and they're saying this is permanent. So basically, you're going to add three trillion dollars to the debt every year. L- let me give you some perspective. Okay, when Barack Obama took office, the national debt was less than eight trillion. You just said the annual deficit 
will be three trillion. Yeah, think about that. So over a, a over a, a four year presidential cycle, you're adding twelve trillion dollars to the debt. During the eight years that Barack Obama was in office, the debt doubled from eight trillion to over sixteen trillion, and now we're talking about. <laughs> In just a short period of time, you know, the gross domestic product of the United States has not increased proportionally to the amount of debt that we've. I know I'm starting to get deep here, but it's um, it's yeah. just crazy. It's 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 madness. Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, they push back against it. Basically, oh, they're lying. Oh yeah, the CBO, they're 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 not telling the truth. Um, Biden continues to say, well, it's not going to cost you anything. It's going to cost you $3 trillion a year. It's not going to cost anything. Well, what what really bothers me about this is that, I mean, it's a well-established fact that politicians lie. Or, 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 <laughs> you or, think? Or at least, um, you know, you know, figures lie and liars figures. And they, they skew numbers and those types of things. But people in the press room in Washington. Yeah, where are they? That there are a number of people in there I know cannot spell cat if you give them the C and the T. I mean, they're, they're stupid people. <laughs> I, I know that. But there are a number of those in there that are experienced and they know the budgetary issues. They're not asking a single right. question. Right. That, that's what just amazes me. Because they're part of the, part of the, uh, the, the reset. The, part of the Democrat machine is what it is. So... Lindsey Graham did say that he hopes this new score will help Manchin in his decision-making on the bill. Quote, Joe Manchin has been wanting to know without gimmicks what the bill will cost. And I don't know. I mean, my gosh, this is just primus facia evidence. I mean, it's self-evident. We know it's more than doubles. I've, uh, I've done what Manchin said somebody should do, Graham said, according to The Hill. He goes on to say, what I think will happen is that Joe will take these numbers and he'll start making decisions about what comes next. And my hope is that Manchin will say, stop, shelve, build back better (laughs) until we find better answers to where inflation is heading. Graham said he spoke to uh, Manchin early today and Manchin said he was stunned by the new estimate. I talked to him this morning. He was stunned. I think he felt vindicated that his concerns were legitimate. Listen, I, I don't want to take it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Manchin might be leaning a little bit more today than he was yesterday against Build Back Better. But if this stuns Manchin, I'd have to ask, how stupid is Manchin? <laughs> now, now, look, I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm, I, my gosh, I, I, I'm not an economist. But you look at this and you, th- this is not a big surprise to nah. me. He's, he's been in. He's been in Washington way too long. He's been a governor. He was governor of West Virginia, wasn't he? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's been in in government uh, long oh, enough. Yeah, he, too long. No, he's. It, there's no surprises. Yeah, I mean, and, and and this, I'm stunned. I mean, you're right. Yeah, he was. I mean, he's either a dope or he's a liar. <laughs> I'm sorry. And look, I like, and Manchin's one of the good ones. I, I've seen his financial disclosure when he was a business person. He's no dope. He's a liar. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. More coming up. I'm a bit confused. Cutting through the confusion. Why are they forcing the vaccine on people at all? News and views. Should I get it? Should I not get it? To bring you clarity and certainty. I am just, I'm tired of it. So I'm losing trust in all of it. Now back to news and views on Talk 96.3-1037. All right, welcome back in. And uh, I'll, I'll send this out to the guys listening to us right now. 
two weeks from tomorrow is Christmas. You better get on the stick. <laughs> and the uh, and the postal service and transportation services aren't exactly running yeah, like yeah. they should. Yeah, at this point, you better order it tonight, or you better go buy it at one of the local shops. Because uh, you know what, I, I've this is a terrible thing to say. My my girls, my daughters, get upset when they hear this because they think it's just terrible. But my wife and I, who love each other dearly, we've gotten to the point that, okay, I'll order what I want and I'll buy what I want, and you can give it to me. She does the same. So. Yeah, my wife is really good at gifts, and I'm I'm not. And you're but, terrible. I but know. We, but, That's a know, male thing. I got a, we got us a new patio in the backyard. So, Merry Christmas, there darling. You, <laughs> <laughs> you better be careful, bud. <laughs> Um, so Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, as a member of Congress, makes $174,000 a year, meaning that she earns really more than twice as much as the, the average person out there. Uh, back in 2019, if you look at the average income from the, uh, from the American woman and the American man combined, the, the, the average, and this is in 2019, Average salary would have been $52,378. So she makes more than three times that amount. Uh, she got down onto the House floor this week, and, uh, and she's been about this since she got into Congress, that we need to forgive all the college debt. I am 32 years old. I'm a first-generation uh, college graduate on my mom's side. And growing up, I was told since I was a child, your destiny is to go to college. That's what's going to lift our family up and out. 17 years old, when college recruiters started coming to my high school saying, this is worth it. Teenagers signing up for what is often hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. And we just do that. And our government allows that. And we think that's responsible policy. I'm 32 years old now. I have over $17,000 in student loan debt. This is unacceptable. So uh, what exactly is unacceptable? Uh, Now, as she goes on to say, you know, if you're taking on student loans because you're likely a middle or working class person, let's get real less canceled the debt she wants to cancel, uh, which basically uh, adds up to one point six trillion dollars in student loans right now, and she wants the government to forget. Now, listen, you don't just you don't just put a line through it and say you don't owe it anymore. The taxpayer will end up paying it. Mm-hmm. So she makes one hundred seventy four thousand dollars a year, and she wants you to pay off her student loan debt. Well, making that kind of money, I just say to her, uh, quit complaining and pay off your freaking debt. Yeah, why do you still have that debt? Are you that irresponsible? Yeah, she's that irresponsible. When you look at her apartment, when she does these little videos, selfies, and you see how her apartment's decorated, you see the clothes she's wearing, pay off your freaking debt. Yeah, live within your means. And and the fact of the matter is, the reason the debt's so high is because the, the government I mean, it, it was the, the government guaranteeing these loans. Yep. Co- colleges and, co- and and small colleges all over the country pop up. They don't have to be competitive because, I mean, it's a, 
it's established fact. I think the numbers fifty five to fifty eight percent of all students are on financial aid. So you've got colleges that don't have to be competitive. They don't have a consumer that right. demands a more de- competitive right. product. Right. And that's why you see the rate of inflation for college expenses going up like wildfire compared to well to and the that's why inflation. you see these these uh, professors these tenured professors making very very generous salaries oh you've seen it and here in the university of north carolina system you've seen it where you'll have professors at unc chapel hill i've, I've seen the numbers you know making 250 300 right. 350 350 and how many classes they teach and teach one class and then and some graduate assistant does half of that you know, what's interesting is if if she really now this this is a socialist idea. I mean, it's socialism pure and simple that you know we're gonna we're gonna pay for your college and we're gonna write off your debt. So why doesn't she take this socialist idea to the college campus where socialism thrives, socialists thrive, get them to buy into her mantra, and they get all the professor professors. If we're gonna be living in a commune communism get all the professors to agree to lower their salaries to the average income of the american worker take take it from uh, 250 down to uh, 52,000 well can you think of another area of our economy that has very little transparency in cost uh, very little controls that the consumer have very little knowledge that the consumer has and the then the and the cost has skyrocketed more than the normal oh, yeah. rate of inflation can you think of one no Healthcare. Well, that's true. Those two. There you and, go. Yeah, and they're, they're right there on parallel class, uh, it, parallel tracks. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, Rand Paul came up with a great idea. He says, you know what? 100% tax deduction for education expenses from kindergarten through post postgraduate. 100% tax deductible. Uh, you know what? I, I wouldn't benefit from that, but I think that'd be a great idea. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, winding things up here for the week. And uh, speaking of uh, college life, universities across America are funding the inclusion of tampons and menstrual products in men's restrooms, including the good folks at Western Carolina University. Tampons have been placed in men's bathrooms as a part of a pilot program. So, uh, and by the way, uh, if you're not paying enough for your college uh, tuition, uh, this is uh, part of your student fees. I hope somebody's not working on commission on selling those products because <laughs> I got a feeling they're not going to be uh, used too much. Uh, well, it depends bathroom. who used the men's bathrooms. Well, right? that's true. I there guess. you go. Hey, let's have a great weekend. Tomorrow should be nice. Uh, get out and enjoy the weather, and uh, we will be back on Monday at five o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye, bye, everybody. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> good. Now you did good. I'm glad you put your hand up, though. Did you, um, have you seen the story? Maybe we talked about it. Maybe I forgot. The, the Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania swimming, oh, yeah. swimmer, yeah, yeah. that's like shattering records. Yeah.